so this morning, okay, I have up here, we get into God's word so it can get into us. And I don't know if you guys pray <laughs> consistently, um, persistently, that God would really stir you up personally for a hunger for his word. How many of you guys would say you've had seasons where it's just like you couldn't get enough of it? Every opportunity you're grabbing your Bible, I, I want to be into the word. How many of you guys have had seasons where you're just like, man, it's dry? <laughs> I was out, oh good, half of you are honest. So <laughs> I think that's why it's good for us to really be praying like, hey, Lord, I know your word is alive. <laughs> it is powerful. And if it's dry right now in my life, <laughs> you're not the problem. Your word's not the problem. There's something off here with me personally. And I think that's good to humble ourselves and ask God, Lord, please stir me up, keep it fresh. And that's really my prayer for us as a church. I believe what God has declared about his word and what it does in the life of believers. And I believe if we here at Freedom Fellowship really have a high esteem for his word, guys, and we do take it serious, it's gonna work in us. And some people don't like that because you guys know the word, truth, it can be challenging. <laughs> Some of us don't want to be challenged because if we are taking his word serious, there's going to be some sacrifice because we know that he's right and often we're very wrong and we want to not just be hearers of it, we want to be doers of it and we know if we're going to take it serious, things are going to change. But let me tell you what, our God's worth it. He's worth our lives. He's worth any sacrifice. I mean, what can we give back to God? The little bit of sacrifice we can give, you know? <laughs> he laid down his life for you, for me. He loves us. So we've been in Romans. I've been enjoying Romans. I had a few of my friends uh, pick up with us the last couple times in chapters 12 in 13, I had one pastor friend, did you really preach an hour and a half? I'm like, yeah, it's hard to keep them short. <laughs> Romans is so good. And I don't know if you guys have been enjoying, but once we hit chapter 12, it's gotten really personal. We can know truth. We can grab a hold of good theology, doctrine from this epistle that Paul wrote to the Romans. A lot of good stuff to know as believers, but now it's gotten super practical. <laughs> How are we going to apply? What are we going to do with the word of God? And one of the things we need to do as we study the scriptures is we need to ask the questions. Great, you say this, God. <laughs> How does that work out? What does this mean for me, my life, my family, my loved ones, my neighbors, my coworkers? What does this mean? So a few questions before we look here this morning. And I entitled, you guys can look at this, Romans 14, Gray Areas. Okay, and we'll get into that in a moment. But I want to first ask just a few questions to kind of set the stage this morning for this sermon. First question be, when you feel free or when are you free to really enjoy your freedoms? And when should you limit it for the sake of another? What gray areas has the Lord told you to abstain? How should you respond to those who enjoy more freedoms than you do? And if they're participating in those activities with discretion? 
How should you respond to those who are flaunting their freedoms? How do you respond to those who choose to enjoy fewer freedoms than you do, especially when they're in your company? Well, we're going to, together this morning, tackle some of those questions. And I think those are some of the hardest questions that we have to work through as Christians. So, I want us to note, guys, your love may be tested more by Christians who disagree with you than by unbelievers that persecute you. It takes a diamond to cut a diamond. Chuck Swindoll said that. And that cut me a little bit because I'm like, you're so right, Chuck. Why do we hurt each other? What do you do when your Christian brother or sister disagrees with you on how God's people ought to live? I want to establish just up front here what Paul is not talking about. He's not talking about clearly laid out doctrinal things in the scriptures because there are things that are very black and white in the word of God, isn't there? We're talking about those gray areas, biblically speaking. So gray areas, okay, areas maybe of doubt, gray areas, maybe those opinions others have. Sometimes disputable matters turn us blue in the face and make our Christian friend see red. But Paul points here that it really should be gray. So gray is not black or white. So a very simple outline. I know some of you guys love to take notes. We're going to look at we need to accept one another, accept non-essentials, and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty simple, but Paul beautifully unpacks this for you and I. So let's take a look here. Romans 14, as we read here, we're going to keep in mind Paul is talking about the need within the body to really accept one another. He says, Receive one who is weak in faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands and falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So did you guys catch here, he says, no disputes over doubtful things. Or, if you have an NIV, it puts it as doubtful or disputable matters. Okay, maybe you have an ESV this morning. Do not quarrel over opinion. This is what God says. So a little bit of background here. A lot of issues in that day was really on how food was prepared. Was it offered to idols in its preparation? Have you ever, guys ever gone into the Chinese restaurant and there's a Buddha, <laughs> you know, or a Hindu god in some other restaurants? Okay, that's actually food being prepared onto these idols. Let me tell you what, I'm so thankful for Romans 14 because I love Chinese food. Anyways, the, the point is, though, they were, they were tripping out because, hey, this food was being sacrificed to these pagan 
gods. So here it was. We have the carnivores versus the herbivores, the meat eaters versus the plant eaters, the juicers versus the vegans, the steakhouse versus the leafy bar, or whatever you call a salad place. Anyways, I don't know. <laughs> the abstainers had concluded that <laughs> what was wrong for them was wrong for everyone. So if we look at verse 3 here, guys, do you consider yourself a mature believer? I think that's a good question to ask as we look into this passage. If so, love demands that you defer to the immature believer in the family. That is what Paul says. So love protects people and gives them a chance to grow up. So in verse 3, let's us, you know, know both weak and strong, mature believers and new believers, you know, acceptance must be mutual. God has welcomed both the weak and the strong. Weak in the sense that they were uncertain about how faith in Christ has affected, say, you know, the, the, the teachings, regulations there of the Old Testament. I think this side of the cross, New Testamently speaking, I think a good example is, say, hey, we have, you know, a guy who stumbles in, say, to a Billy Graham crusade, drunk, and he finds himself going forward for an altar call, and we all rejoice. Hey, the drunk is accepting Jesus. He's getting saved. Yet, when we see a Muslim man get saved and come to Christ, hey, you better cross your T's, buddy, Trinity. And you better have your I's dotted in incarnation, buddy. Do you guys see how easily we can begin to judge? You see, Peter, after a few years of ministry with Christ, was finally able to say who Jesus was. But as he did, Jesus said it was the Father who had tipped him off. He didn't get it on his own. So since meat eating isn't a big issue today, what might be some of those areas that Christians divide themselves over? Some of you guys are like, what are you talking about? Jamie's like, yeah, division in the church. I know. Aren't there a lot of divisions today among God's people? Yeah. Think about how many denominations there are. Right there alone says, hey, we can't agree. We can't get along. So let's consider, okay, uh, things that Christians are divided over that aren't sin in the scripture. Because that's what Paul's talking about here. Uh, first, I want to add, guys, before giving a list, scriptures do give additional guidelines in relation to each one of these that I'm about to go through, okay? Secondly, I'll add, think beyond, say, northeast Wisconsin here and what the church is like here, because you guys know church is a little different in the south than up here. I got to go to some of those churches in the south. They're fun, <laughs> okay? But it's radically different if you think about what a church might look like in Germany compared to Haiti, okay? Um, <clears throat> they can be very different. The third thing, guys, I'll add, some of these sound funny, and others might immediately make you want to roll up your sleeves. Going to the movies. Yay or nay? Is that okay? Which kind of movies? What are they rated? How about even having a TV? Oh, it's okay to have a TV, but you can't have cable connected to it. 
How about cosmetics? <clears throat> Sam, what about tattoos? How about alcohol? How about tobacco? Card playing. Card playing. Poker. Dancing. Was that you, Ozzy? <laughs> Well, if it's too fast, then we're in trouble, right? Fashion. Does fashion equal worldliness? I mean, even to the, like, what translation of the Bible we use, right? King James only. Well, I read the message. <laughs> Material wealth. We could just, the list can go on, guys, Right? So dare I mention masks or vaccines? You see, wherever you stand on these issues, guys, you must accept your Christian brother and sister who differs. This is not me telling you to do so as your pastor. This is what the word of God has declared to us. This is our biblical mandate when it comes to conscious issues. So if you are an abstainer, you must not judge the participator. And if you're the participator, you must not judge the abstainer. So this call to acceptance, <coughs> acceptance comes as a command of God. So if we are to obey him, we have no choice. A lot of people, where do you stand on this? Well, I stand on Romans 14. That's a conscience issue. Period. To make it any more than that, I would not be following my Lord and Savior any longer. So, Pastor, doesn't it just make Christianity pretty wishy-washy? No, <laughs> we're not talking about the essentials at all here. When it comes to sin or the deity of who Jesus is, that salvation is by faith, that lying really is a sin, stealing is wrong. Okay, there are the black and the whites. So, we can go on. You know, hey, I see your wingtips. You're wearing flip-flops. Who cares, right? Hey, I walked to church today. Well, great, I pulled it in my Lamborghini. Who cares, okay? You see, yeah, even the way we worship, okay? I got a brother, and I really enjoy him as a pastor friend. We have great conversations about the scriptures. But when they do worship... <laughs> their church, <laughs> having a guitar would be a sin issue at their church. That's a big no-no. That's of Satan. Now there's a great argument to be made scripturally-wise to that, but that's a conscience issue, and I don't want to break fellowship with this brother because I really love him, and it's what God's asked me to do. Because guess what? When it comes to who Jesus is and wanting to make him known, we're on the same page. He wants to see people get saved too. So we need to be careful, guys. Let's accept one another. Amen? On to the next point we read in verses 5 and 6 here. Accept non-essentials. One person esteems one day above another and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observes the day 
uh, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives thanks. So two issues here, guys, in regards to days. Certain days of the week, okay? Maybe there's the Sabbath observance of some. Holy days, maybe feast days. We have no problem if a church wants to meet at church on a Saturday. Cool. Fellowship. Worship the Lord. We're called to do that, right? But they're wrong if they think everyone needs to do the same. That's the difference. So how do you celebrate Christmas? Okay. Are stockings okay? But Santa, uh-uh, not in our house. We closed up the chimney. Okay. Well, how about a Christmas tree? Oh, that's okay. You just can't have tinsel. You know? Well, Halloween, we don't do that. Just Harvest Festival. That's it. Okay? Well, costumes. Okay? Are those okay? Or no costumes? You know? What if it's biblical character costumes? Are those okay? Okay? Or can you be, you know, Captain America? So two of the most famous Christians, okay, during the Victorian era, we have uh, there in England, you guys have heard of Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. These two men, powerhouse preachers for the gospel, right? Both of them mighty preachers in their day. Well, early in their ministry, guys, they fellowshiped together a lot. They actually exchanged pulpits then they had a disagreement, okay? And the reports even in, <clears throat> made it into the newspapers there. Spurgeon was, uh, was accusing Parker of being unspiritual because he went to the theater. Interestingly enough, Spurgeon smoked cigars and practice uh, many believers would condemn. So who was right? Who was wrong? Perhaps neither. <laughs> Perhaps both of them were wrong. Two more things when it comes to Spurgeon's cigars. First, when he was asked about his cigars, he did say, or he said that he didn't smoke to excess. So when he was asked, well, what does it mean, excess? He answered, no more than two at one time. <laughs> and secondly, guys, what many don't know about this story is that he actually gave up his cigars when there was a large billboard that was put out of him smoking a cigar. So there is a reverse truth implicit here also, guys, and I don't want us to miss this. The Lord convicts you of something, okay, that is wrong in your life. You had better not do it, okay, even if there are other Christians who are doing it. And we're going to talk about that a little more in a little bit here. But next, we move on to verse 7, which talks about accepting the Lord, okay? The Lordship of Christ. Look at verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be 
Lord of both the dead and the living, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Wow. Verse 7. All believers live out their lives in accountability to who? God. In God alone. Right? Thus, the decisions are made... Uh, no decisions really are made in isolation, but in accordance with the will of God to be understood by the individual. And then I love verse 10 because we get to note two things or two times here. Did you guys catch he uses the word brother? Why? Paul's saying we need to have unity, brothers, sisters, within the body of Christ. This is the will of God. This is his heart, his desire, okay? Um, And it's emphasizing the unity between who? (laughs) Weak and strong Christians, okay? So he's saying here, stop trying to be God to one another. Just stop it. So all of us are going to stand before the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ, Okay. You can jot down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You can also jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15, or 13, 14, and 15. It says, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work uh, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet through fire. So when we... Hear this word bima, the bima seat, okay? The, the transliteration of that in the Greek is judgment seat, okay? You guys remember Paul in the book of Acts before Gallio's bima seat there in Corinth? Herod's bima seat in Caesarea, and then Paul made it to Nero's bima seat there in Rome. So personally, guys, I'm going to be glad when life, my life is finally exposed, okay, um, and corrected. For the first time, everything about me is going to be 100% right. You guys ever feel that way? Like, I know my sin, okay, but there's sins I don't even know about. There's so much more pride, <laughs> judgment in my heart than I actually am probably conscious of because that's the way I'm bent, okay? Without God's spirit, I can't see truth. I can't love, I can't get the heart of God and live out the heart of God. I can't do Romans 14, what we're learning here without his spirit, guys. 
okay? But I'm excited that day when it all gets burned up, all the junk, and I'm going to just be able to see clearly, hey, this is what it really was, you know? <laughs> clearly. I look forward to it, okay? Um, so every believer will have enough to do in keeping his own account right without having to interfere in the lives of others, okay? Take care of yourself. One thing is for sure, guys, we'll have to give an account uh, for our judgmental attitude towards our fellow Christians. So know this, the final judgment, it's up to God. His evaluation, it's going to be right. It's going to be perfect. Um, and our reward, it's going to be exactly what we deserve. Exactly what we deserve, as will our brothers and our sisters. All we can you know, really do and what we're called to do is to stir each other up in love unto good works. That's what we get to do as a church family. As your pastor, I feel like a cheerleader. I know that's weird as a dude. But anyway, <laughs> it's just like, keep going, brother. Keep going, sister. Man, okay, earthly things. Be sending that lumber up in heaven, man. Store those treasures up there. That's eternal. This stuff is temporal. It's all going to fade. It's all going to burn. We can't bring it with us. <laughs> Live for Jesus. Love him. As you do that, man, it's going to be good. You guys know that we can do that? We can do that. Well, I'm new in the Lord. Great. That's a truth you can encourage your brothers and sisters with. For us who've been in the Lord for a while, man, encourage our younger brothers and sisters. Aren't there a lot of doubts that come when you first get saved? Man, the goodness of the gospel. And then you come into relationship with Jesus. It's beautiful. I'm saved. But Satan doesn't like that. He's going to come in and he's going to cast doubt. He's trying to try to derail you. That's what he does. And that's where we as a body get to encourage new believers. Oh, hang in there. God's got good in view. It's good. So, um, verse 13. Um, our desire must not to be uh, to get everybody to agree with us. You guys know that? Um, I read a really cool article earlier this year. Do you guys know that there's eight or maybe it was nine different types of normal? Really, the last couple years, it's been nuts. Between a pandemic and crazy elections and just craziness here in our own backyard in the United States, even within the church, you know, I think I'm normal. I'm, what I think is normal, everybody should think. What I think, because I'm the normal. <laughs> this article is really cool because there's eight or nine different normals. And I was reading through that, and they're putting out descriptions of how people think and process and why they would think this. I'm like, oh, I know that person. <laughs> I know. Wow, we're all normal. <laughs> we're all very different, and that's okay. Especially in light of Romans 14 and being part of the body of Christ. You know, are we able to extend that grace and accept other people's normals? So, verse 13 here, guys. We don't have to make people agree with us. Our desire must, you know, <clears throat> must be in a place of wanting to pursue peace, not to cause others to stumble, but actually to help them grow. And how do we do that? 
it's getting harder today because people are more easily offended than they ever have been. Okay, I'm going to ask the older generation, would you guys agree with me? Young, yeah. And I'm not trying to poke fun at younger generation, but people are offended by everything today. I'm offended that people are easily offended. I mean, that's how, <laughs> if I'm honest with you guys, I get, I get frustrated. I'm just like, really? You know, but as a follower of Jesus, and I, I, I hope you guys feel the same way, don't you feel like it's our job to bend over backwards to keep the peace? Like, hey, I'm going to keep moving towards you and loving you even if you're offended and angry and frustrated about everything. I don't want division. <laughs> I want relationship. And that's what needs to happen. And it's sad that even within the body of Christ, we have those who are offended easily <laughs> in those that are bending over backwards. But again, guys, as I consider that and seeing that play out within the church, and it's happening everywhere, I love Romans 14. If we could just do this, if this could be our mandate, if we could just say, yeah, God, you're right. Even though this hurts, this angers me, I don't think it's right. You're right. And your ways are better than ours. And for your sake, for your glory, I'll submit. I'll do. So both strong and weak Christians can cause brothers and sisters to stumble. You see, one may flaunt their freedoms in Christ. The other may be on the fence, uh, you know, where the others are in their rules or their regulations. So we need to be both strong in faith and also sensitive to others' needs. So we all, you know, we're all strong in some areas, guys, and then there's other areas where we're weak, okay? I know that. I know I have blind spots. <laughs> can you accept that? Can you recognize that? And can you look for those strengths in the body of Christ and say, hey, <laughs> that's needed, that's good. We need each other. And again, guys, you've heard me preach for years, balance, balance, balance. The more I study the word of God, the more I see balance. And that's kind of where Paul goes here in verse 14. There's a miracle of balance that we see here. He says, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may be or may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So if we look at the first part of verse 14 here, there's nothing unclean of itself. So nothing intrinsically unclean. Intrinsic. 
by or in itself rather than because of its associations or consequences. Well, what about tobacco? Nothing wrong with the plant, but it's harmful, isn't it, when you light it up and inhale it? Not good for your body. What about an opium? Okay. Poppy seeds make wonderful cakes, right? But they can be made to, you know, be used as a pain medication, right? Morphine and others. I like what Jesus says when you jot down Matthew 15, 11. Jesus said, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. So regarding food, Paul said, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. And then he goes on in verse 14, okay? If we look at this, an activity may become unclean if it's done in a wrong way or with wrong motives. Are you guys tracking with Paul here? What he's saying? Okay. And then verse 15, Yet if a brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So you're no longer walking in love. And how fundamental is this truth? This is huge, guys. Okay? Love lovingly limits all of its liberation and liberty. That's what true love will do. Well, I have this right. You do. But in the name of love, for the glory of Jesus, I'm willing to limit my right for you. Our concern for our weaker brothers and sisters will reign in the ways we express our freedom. Picture it this way. On one end, guys, we'll have uh, liberty. And on the other, love. Okay? So on one hand, we have some Christian friends who are freedom suppressors. And we have others who compromise. Okay? Um, They're promoters of compromise. Hey, we can... Have greasy grace or whatever, okay? Some shouting, hey, you need to wear these handcuffs, okay? I wear them. And then we have others whispering, hey, everyone's doing it. Just go for it. So how far should we then apply this? I think that's the question here, okay? Where is the line, Paul? Well, if we fully apply what Paul is saying here, Okay, it will not be our conduct. It won't be controlled by the narrowest Christian within the church. Okay, it is, <clears throat> it will be controlled by the narrowest uh, Christian. Think about this. If it is indeed possible or uh, disordered personalities, okay, often they're the ones that will dominate within the church. Sometimes they're the loudest. But like the believer who says we should smile, okay, or we shouldn't smile, sorry, or we shouldn't ever, ever laugh because when we open the Bible and study the scriptures, it never said Jesus smiled. It never said he laughed, okay? And of course, that's absurdity, right? Okay, it's just, it's an argument of silence. Um, if it's seen, if you make lists of other things in scriptures never mentioned, it'd just be ridiculous, Jesus never went to the bathroom. You can never go to the bathroom. I mean, that's how ridiculous. Are you guys tracking with me? And people do this sometimes. But uh, we are obviously not called 
to be uncritical, okay? Indiscriminate, uh, in, in being indiscriminate, uh, sorry, discriminative, there's a limitation that comes with our freedom. So voluntarily limiting our freedom is meant to be subject us to the prejudices of Christians who are well established in their faith, but are persistent in biblical legalism, okay? And that's why we're so often warned in the scriptures not to go there, not to be legalistic, okay? There is grace. You guys remember in Rome that the believers were actually relatively pretty young in their faith at this point, okay? Their scrupulous conscience were alleged, they were alleged biblical base to them, um, so following, Paul tells us in verse 16, uh, not to let then our good be spoken of as evil. Okay, so don't give freedom a bad name is what he's saying. We enjoy great freedom as Christians. It's for freedom's sake that Jesus came. We've been liberated. We get to live in that freedom. No one can take that freedom away from us. It is ours, okay? But we should never give that freedom a bad name. We need to preserve its good reputation. And ultimately, we need to enjoy it. I see a lot of Christians who have it, but they never enjoy that freedom that we have in Jesus. So how can good be spoken evil of? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's by flaunting it, okay? Or using it insensitively, okay? If we use our God-given freedoms discreetly, no one's going to speak evil of it, you know? And it's hard. It's a very real struggle because there are so many in the body of Christ. There's so many at different levels of maturity in Christ. There's so many different expressions within the body of Christ. And it's so hard when I try to share, say on Facebook, here, here's a truth in love. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to speak this in a, in a way that will help you or help you see truth. You know, and then I get the replies where I get blasted like, how dare you as a Christian judge me and say this? I didn't say that. But I know where you got it from. It was from another Christian. And that's how the world looks at us. So contemplating the kingdom Again, this is important. I want to read verse 17 again. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue things which make for peace in the things by which one may edify another. So, okay, Paul. <laughs> so let's get this straight. It's all about what I think about social drinking or smoking cigars or listening to secular music or what kind of dancing is okay. My view on kissing before marriage or using, you know, minor cuss words, it's okay, right? Right? No. <laughs> There's more. Again, verse 17, let's reread it. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Paul has just elevated this entire discussion to a whole higher level, guys. Are you catching what Paul's laying down here? Okay. 
So we don't get stuck in this, you know, pharisaical mode of making mountains out of molehills, okay? The externals in life. But it really flips it, <laughs> flips it on its ear to really deal with the eternals. What matters, eternally speaking, so God is not as concerned about our actions as he is about our motives that actually drive them. Are you guys tracking with me here? I know he's getting a little deep here, but it makes sense if we follow what he's saying. Okay? Our motives, okay, is what God cares about. Our conscience that allows us or disallows us. Our testimony that springs forth from them. John Whitmer says this, guys, a concerned believer insists on right conduct, harmony, and joy rather than forcing his own lifestyle on others. I agree with him because that's what Paul is saying here to the Romans. It's what the word of God is saying to us this morning. So verse 18, guys, okay, fulfilling verse 17, okay, pleases God and approves us before man pretty cool, huh? And then verse 19, Paul sums it up with two godly principles. Did you guys catch them? Pursue peace and build up one another. That's our goal. That should be our mission. How can I pursue peace? How can I build you up? I read a story this week back in the 70s. There were eight firefighters in Genoa, Texas, who were accused of deliberately setting over 40 fires, okay? Well, when they got caught, one of them stated and said, hey, we had nothing to do. We just wanted to get red lights flashing and hear the bells clanging. We wanted something to do. The job of a firefighter is to put out fires, not start them. A Christian's job is to help resolve conflict, not to start them. So, crushing the kingdom. Look at verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So unfortunately, guys, instead of building up, we're often tearing down or destroying, okay? We see that in verse 15 also. Which is more important to you? The spiritual health of your fellow Christian or in enjoying your freedoms in front of them? You might be stumbling them. So you have the liberty to enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. But you don't have to go and do it while we're on a church retreat. Does that make sense? person who grew up in a culture where a glass of wine was common with an evening meal is very different than a person that feels the need to show their liberty in front of you. We need to be careful of that. I think it's really funny. I know some Christians, oh, it's non-alcoholic in my wine glass. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. We need to be careful. You know, the world's watching. I remember... Um, was doing a junior high Bible study uh, at my bachelor pad with my bros. Uh, we'd have 60, 70 kids come out on Monday nights. Um, and it was over, um, you guys know where the bar is? 
in Appleton. It's just called The Bar. What a good name for a bar, huh? The Bar, I'm going to the bar. Anyways, they got a bunch of volleyball things there. Well, our youth pastor loved volleyball, didn't drink. But he would go in and play volleyball on Monday nights, and uh, we lived right around the corner. Junior high group was on Monday nights. The kids come pulling in, you know, get dropped off. They were all, hey, Landon, do you know where Pastor so-and-so is? <laughs> no. He's at the bar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff. And it was cool. I got to clear it up with him. Well, I know, I know he loves playing volleyball, you know, and it's a good opportunity for him to be in the community and to shine for Jesus. But at a young age and as a young man who had a heart to minister to others, God kind of put in my heart before I even understood and probably didn't even have a clue what Romans 14 was at that time. I remember the Holy Spirit just dropping into my heart. You need to be very careful with the choices you make because people are watching you. Even if you have good intentions, son, be careful. And I think that's good for all of us because it is a spiritual thing. It is from God because we're seeing it here in Romans 14. So be careful. We don't, and why? Again, because it's love. I don't want to stumble. You guys don't want to stumble another believer, okay? Especially, oh, I could go many places. This is what the Word's telling us, okay? So let's take a look. We'll start wrapping this up. Balanced convictions, okay? Again, there's a miracle in balance. Verse 21 it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith, is sin. So, if we consider verse 21 here, guys, be considerate of your convictions. Again, it is good neither to eat meat or drink wine, nor do anything by which a brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So try this. Replace good for its root meaning beautiful. Follow me here, okay? It's beautiful not to eat whatever, okay? It's beautiful because it shows that there is love among the brethren. It's beautiful, guys, because arrogance is gone. It's beautiful because it's unselfish. It's beautiful because it means one has finally uh, tuned sense of this spiritual proportion. And it's beautiful because it puts others first, it's beautiful. So adopt an attitude of concern for others and sensitivity to their needs. So here's really a basic concept of theological thoughtfulness 101. Okay? Very basic things, but very hard to live out. So being considerate isn't just having nice manners. It's learning to be sensitive, guys, to your friends. Okay, to those who are around you. It's observing what makes them uncomfortable and it's avoiding those things in their presence. So look at the tailspin of being inconsiderate to these things. Did you guys catch verse 15? There's going to be grieving. We don't want to see people grieving. Verse 21 here, stumbling. 
Verse 21, offending. Verse 21, weakening, right? And possibly even destroying according to verse 15 and 20. So is destroying another just to have your way worth it? I guess that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is it worth it? During World War II, the Allied convoys would cross the Atlantic at the speed of the slowest ship. I think that's pretty cool. Maybe that's what Paul had in mind here. The shepherd must play or pace the flock to accommodate the weakest lamb. The Christian must regulate his freedom to take into account the most feeble conscience of a weaker brother or sister. And if we look at verse 22, guys, we need to be confidential with your convictions. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Keep your convictions between you and God. And these convictions are those things agreed on between you and God. That's it. So as I grow as a pastor, I'm learning more and more to reserve the question of gray matters out there, you know, holding those back to myself, okay? Um, <clears throat> to, you know, <laughs> individuals asking rather than to automatically, hey, you know, this is what I think. You need to think what I think because I know things. No. I'm not sh- afraid to share with people. If I'm asked personally, I'll, I'll share. Um, it's good. And then the second part of verse 22 is to be uh, condemnation free when it comes to our convictions. It says, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And wow, how freeing, huh? Think about that, guys. This is freeing. How happy that we can be if we are convinced by God in our convictions. You know? I've done a lot of counseling over the last year just with things that are going on. I have some strong opinions and thoughts on things personally, but with every brother and sister, what, in, in, when it comes to gray areas, <laughs> where is your conviction? What is your conscience saying to you? What do you think God is asking you? That's what you need to do. It doesn't matter what I think. What is your conscience saying? What has God spoken to you? That's what you need to do. So note, though, guys, it is very clear here that everyone must have a standard for his own conduct when it comes to gray areas. And I think it's good to be thoughtful, to pray on these gray areas, to seek the scriptures, what is our biblical mandate as believers. And I think a lot of us will circle back around to Romans 14 often and we just say, all right, (laughs) gray areas, this is what you said, Lord. I need to know uh, personally where I stand on this because what might be sin for me might not be sin for you guys, okay? We do have liberties. I may be a weaker brother. (laughs) Don't stumble me, guys, (laughs) okay? Okay. And then verse 23, okay, it says, um, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, okay? So we need to be convinced of our convictions because it goes on to say, because he does not eat from faith. And that's the point. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So when in doubt, don't, okay? When in doubt, 
don't. That simple. So have confidence in your convictions, okay? The weak saint might sometimes do something because everyone else is doing it. He might <clears throat> do it because he does not wish to stand in a minority of one. He might do it because he does not wish to be different. He might do it because he does not wish to get ridiculed or to suffer unpopularity. We need to walk in Christian confidence. So be sure about it or just leave it alone. Don't do anything to which you need to ask questions about it. If you don't have the confidence you're doing the right thing, you're not. The deed might be right for others, but if you doubt yourself, it is evil to you. Any doubt about the righteous, you know, uh, the rightness of an action removes it from the category of what is acceptable. So Christian, as you walk, maintain your balance, loving others and enjoying your freedoms. You guys seeing the balance here? In Romans 14. So Paul gave us some guidelines. I'm thankful for this chapter. This is something I wish the church would do a lot more preaching on, especially the last couple of years. Um, but the guidelines here are very clear when it comes to gray areas, really to achieve unity amidst diversity. Okay? We can have different opinions on these gray things, guys. And in Jesus miraculously, we still can have unity, and that's beautiful. So, receive those who are different than you. Don't look down on those with differing views. Remember that those who disagree with us, they're still accepted by God. Let God judge. Love requires self-limitations. Become convinced what is right for you personally. All the members of the body of Christ are, um, you know, uh, and tolerated, you know, we're in, or sorry, we're interrelated, we're interconnected, we're interwoven as the body of Christ. Uh, we both are the Lord's. We are this, on the same team. We're all members that are going to face the beam of seat of Christ individually someday. There is no right or wrong side except for you personally. You will be graded on your attitudes that you've displayed and how you've treated those who've disagreed with you. So let's remember, it often comes down to a judgment call, okay? And we're bound to make mistakes now and then. I make mistakes. Are you guys willing to be gracious to me? I'm willing to be gracious to you, okay? And if we love one another, you guys know that the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin, and I'm sure it covers a multitude of mistakes, I want to close with what Rupertus Melodonis um, said back in 18, I don't know when he said it. He lived in 1582 to 1651. He was a, a Lutheran theologian, uh, teacher of the day. And I love this uh, saying of his, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. I love that saying because it's biblical. It's right. So little children, 
love each other. Just love each other. So, Father, I thank you for the love that we do share in this church family. Uh, None of us have it all together. (laughs) Um, But we have you. We have your love. We have your grace. And how can we not extend that to others? We have given so much. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us, Lord, to keep ourselves in your love. I know there may be some repenting that needs to happen individually because we have cast judgment, Lord. I pray that you give us wisdom, Lord, how to correct that, to be moving towards people, or to love them well in your name. And I do pray, Lord, there may be gray areas, things that we're trying to weigh out uh, personally. Would you, Holy Spirit, just drop into the hearts of my brothers and sisters, exactly what you would be asking of them. Make that clear. We're thankful for your word. As we saw this morning, you are absolutely right. Your ways are so much better. We thank you for your word. Amen. Amen.